Hello everyone and welcome back. What a week it has been. I completed the half marathon. Thank you all so much for your donations. With your help, we actually raised 600 pounds and every single penny of that money will be going to a charity called Dressags. Dressags are a charity quite local to me and they help support child abuse survivors. They actually helped me in my own healing and provided counseling and victim support for me. So it felt like such a personal challenge doing this half marathon and raising the money for this charity. But we'll go into that a little bit later on and today we are gonna be discussing such an intriguing topic. Now, if you follow me on Instagram at the Edge of the Bed Podcast, you'll know that I put out a poll on my Instagram story. I posed the question, what is most important when dealing with convicted sex offenders in the justice system? Now, there were four answers to this. Rehabilitation, protect the public, punishment and deterrence. Now, the quiz results we'll go into a little bit later on. But today, we're going to be discussing these different aspects. Now, I have my own opinions due to my own story and my experiences, but I didn't want this podcast episode to just be about that. As I was doing my research into this topic, I came across a movement. The movement is called Prison Abolition. Now, I'm sure just hearing the name of this movement may raise some eyebrows, and it did me also. And that's why I wanted to look into it a little bit more. So today, I'm welcoming Joseph Conway, a politics and anthropology graduate from the University of Manchester who specialised in prisons and the arts. Joseph is a supporter of prison abolition, and he's here not to debate with me, but to just educate me on some of the principles that this may include. And so I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about this movement, and maybe some of the positive changes it can make to my own ideas of what justice could look like in the future. So thank you all for joining me, and let's get right into today's episode. If you respond to every crisis, to every crime, to every issue, um, with immediately saying, we need to put this person behind bars. What is happening there is you are not actually looking at the problem. You're not actually dealing with the problem. You're not looking at the root causes of the problem. You're not putting all your attention and your money and your focus on the causes of the problem. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone thinks, oh, the justice, the current justice system is working well. (laughs) There's no one, you know, that thinks that. We're not just putting them in an environment that is promoting violence, promoting sexual assault and everything like that. We're also putting them in an environment with everyone like them. The idea of prison abolition is not to say that we just open every single prison immediately, which is what a lot of people think it is, and that would be the most ridiculous idea. A lot of survivors, actually the main thing that they want is for that thing that happened to them to not happen to anyone else. Yeah, that's so true. That's what they want, uh, and that's what a lot of people want. Punishment, okay, you know, but the main thing for a lot of people, I think, is they know that what happened to them was heartbreaking and destructive and they want that thing to never happen to anyone else ever again yeah joseph welcome to the podcast thank you so much for coming on Uh, it's great to have you on you are the first person coming on the podcast who i actually know in real life i guess (laughs) (laughs) Um, so so you know it's great to have you on and and Mm. um i actually have 
always been like uh, sort of inspired by you and respected you a lot uh, since knowing you we met in church and stuff um i remember you being such a great speaker and stuff even from like a young age i knew you from a young age and you was already such a great speaker and you know i've seen you stand up to to um I don't know if you want me to keep this situation in, but I'm going to say it anyway. But a certain situation happened, me and Joseph met at church when we was younger, and a certain situation happened, and I've never forgot how Joseph reacted to this. There was a guy who uh, was racist, and he came up to the front, um, and, you know, he was blurting out loads of racist and uh, awful remarks. Um, and then Joseph just stood up and that was the first person to stand up and, and speak against this person and shout against this person and i could see how passionate he was about standing up for minorities and, and, and stuff like that and like that in, like I rem- i'll never forget that about you because it really inspired me i'll be honest do you know that's i've i i, I haven't thought about that for a long time um yeah i remember quite well because stephen wasn't there uh, uh sorry the vicar of that church wasn't there at the time um yeah, it infuriated me. It really infuriated me. It still infuriates me to this day. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about him was that um, he was allowed to be in that church for a very long time, even though we knew that he was far right, because the church was so believing and being accepting and accepting other people's beliefs, which was, I, I, in some ways, I believe is a very good thing. Um, but he took it too far. He indoctrinated the members of the church. It was very messy. Uh, we tried to take it to court. It didn't work. Um, but it was very... Um, yeah, I remember it well. Uh, it was a really, it was a real shocker for me. I'm surprised you remember that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Particularly uh, how yeah. passionate you was about it. It was like, wow, this is someone who is going to make change in this world. I can tell this person's going to make change. Um, so yeah, from from what I can remember from meeting you, I, I knew that you was going to be uh, a key person in the world <laughs> oh man um, yeah man really yeah kind. for sure yeah yeah um, uh, and i've never know, said that to you but i wanted to wait to come on here and you know and say that to you because um it's true and you know some of the activism that i'm doing now um you were the first person that i saw doing something like that and and you know thank thank you for for standing up like that and it's inspiring well i mean you're, you're you equally i mean i, I don't want to just kind of just deflect your inspiration thank you um, but you've equally, I, from what I, like, I, I had no idea. Well, we, because this is the thing, we grew up together and I was yeah. probably friends with you at the same time when a lot of the things you talk about happened. Um, I know you've talked to my brother a bit more about this um, and about your experiences, um, but I, he hasn't, he's only told me little bits. And I obviously, but obviously, he'd learned a lot just from uh, watching you on Instagram, your present on Instagram. It is astounding. I mean, this is, yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the core ideas of what, I, what I'm here to talk about, which is prison abolition, is trying to think of ways to do justice without a prison. Um, it's, that's quite the simple way of doing it. And what you're doing is a, is a, and I don't want to kind of implement my own ideas onto you because the, you will have your own opinions about this and your own ideas about this. And you may think it's completely wrong, which is a very normal opinion to have, which is understandable. But I think we can all agree that trying to find ways of dealing with uh, and dealing with trauma and difficulties and crime that don't involve that involve centering the survivor and involve kind of collectively healing and creating resources to help other survivors um, grow out of their things that's led by survivors as well led particularly by you who is a survivor yourself um, 
is one of the most immensely important tools and one of the most immensely powerful tools that there could there could ever be for an issue like this. Um, and it is so because um, I'm sure a lot of survivors probably listen to your podcast as well. Yeah, probably, yeah. probably find it very helpful to listen to your podcast as well. Without something like that, you you really like without things like that and tools like that, what you, you end up with non even non survivors talking over survivors. Uh, you end up with um, uh, situations where people are trying to deal with situations that they don't understand. If people don't talk about it from the survivor's perspective, then a lot of hysteria is kicked off about child sexual abuse. A lot of um, kind of like outrage for the sake of outrage that's not constructive and not helpful comes out of it. Rather than talking about it from a kind of um, from a perspective of realness and real mm-hmm. understanding of the situation. Um, without what you're doing, we're going to really struggle to move up move on from child sexual abuse and and move towards a world that's free of child sexual abuse which we can dream of if we want um and i think that's i've always found that so powerful about you yeah that's i i really respect that beyond belief beyond any anything else yeah thank you yeah and i think you know it is really important to hear from survivors but also like like you said in a way to level it off with things that are possible and and also, you know, our per, our perception of the world comes from our experiences. Mm. So, you know, as a survivor, it's very easy, as survivors, it's very easy to get caught up in uh, the anger and the emotions that come from what has happened without thinking logically, oh, what is actually possible? What difference can we make, you know, with different solutions? And that's exactly why I wanted to have this conversation with someone with uh, not a different opinion to me, but someone who is a little bit more educated and can, you know, help me um, along my healing in a way, because it can help me externalize from myself and my, you know, emotions and feelings and, and sort of come to a solution that everyone wants, if that makes sense. Mm. I would, I would be careful about drawing that differentiation between dealing with your feelings and logically approaching a situation. I think you can do both. I think you should do both. Mm-hmm. I think dealing with and understanding and working with your feelings um, is, is the most important part of surviving and healing. It's, it's not, it's not logic. Thinking logically about um, a situation shouldn't be uh, against or you shouldn't need to suppress your feelings to think logically through a situation. No, yeah, yeah. What I'm referring to yeah. is like I get so many messages and stuff, and quite rightly, people have their, mm. have their own ways of healing and, and and own ways of dealing with what has happened. But a lot of survivor messages I get is so say um, the poll I put out um, rehabilitate. What's most important? Rehabilitation, deterrence, protecting the public. Um, and people would message me on that and say, um, "Oh, I think." all sex offenders should be burnt in a fire for all the public to watch. And, mm. you know, what I meant by that is like, you, it's okay to feel like that. It's okay to feel like that if you've experienced mm. that, but it's not a logical way of dealing with the situation. And, and, and saying, and for me to say that over and over on my podcast wouldn't lead to any change because that's not something, you know, um, that would be helpful if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I should probably at this point, be, be quite clear in uh, what I believe should, yeah, should yeah. happen in these situations um, and and what is best. Um, 
it's fascinating. I'm, I'm glad you shared some of the responses. I, I want to be very clear that that uh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to say what it is. So this is what I'm what we're talking about in this in this is prison abolition, and that's why I've been invited to talk about it. Yeah. Now that them two words in themselves for a lot of people are going to at least raise an eyebrow, if not raise some blood pressure, um, because in the context of this podcast and what we're talking about, this is an incredibly charged and incredibly uh, scary and quite frightening uh, part of the public conversation. This is a part of the public conversation that is filled with anger and filled with virital, and rightly so in many cases, in, and rightly so. I'm never ever going to tell any abuser, abuse survivor um, any person who survived a situation that they uh, should or shouldn't feel any sort of way, that they shouldn't want to punish or they shouldn't think that their abuser deserves punishment. I'm never going to tell or uh, say that anyone shouldn't think any sort of way. Um, I'm also not going to be very clear here. The idea of prison abolition is not to say that we just open every single prison immediately, which is what a lot of people think it is. And that would be the most ridiculous idea in the world. And I completely understand why everyone would, would be very against that. Because um, what, you, what you pick up on there is the anger and fear surrounding child sexual abuse. Um, and abolition takes a very long time if it's going to happen. It's a process that's already happening. People are already trying to experiment uh, with ways of doing justice that don't involve the courts, that don't involve uh, prisons, that don't involve the police, but are instead done on a community level, particularly usually uh, in activist circles. Um, there's examples of, uh, there's a group that I think has uh, dissolved now, but used to be called Generation Five, which was about um, abolishing child sexual abuse over five generations. And they were very much about um, a thing called transformative justice as opposed to, but I'll get onto that later, um, as opposed to justice through prisons, justice through courts, mm -hmm. justice through the police and so on. Um, yeah, anyway, so just to be clear, just to clear up two common misconceptions there, I don't want to police anyone's anger or make sure that, or invalidate anyone's emotions. I don't want to um, be seen as someone who is trying to go up who's telling everyone go go to a prison now and smash down a wall immediately and let them all go because that's 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 never going to be a, a helpful or healing uh thing to do um, um yes yeah I, th I think it's great that you cleared that up because um like instantly the fit i remember the first thought that i had um because you, you actually sent me a, a video from a, a woman and i watched that and the first thought i had about you know this topic is how what that's crazy mm. sort of thing and it was them two points um so yeah yeah it's, it's great that you cleared that up but i think to start this conversation um properly we need to sort of talk about what are the issues now what is the problem now uh, and mm. and why why it needs to change um so so to pass that on to you what, what do you think beautiful yeah thank you so much um what is the problem with prisons um for me it's a question of justice for abolitionists more generally because these are this it's a movement which involves a lot of different people uh particularly a lot of survivors as well 
Um, it's a question of justice. Do we see justice? Um, and this is, is talking about your question as well, the question that you proposed on your story uh, was very important as well. Do we see justice as punishing or do we see justice as healing? Um, for me, I prefer justice to be a healing process as opposed to being a punishing process. Um, and let me explain what I mean by that. If you respond to every crisis, to every crime, to every issue, um, we're immediately saying, we need to put this person behind bars, or we need to put this person, we need to punish this person, and that way it will stop. What is happening there is you are not actually looking at the problem. You're not actually dealing with the problem. You're not looking at the root causes of the problem. You're not putting all your attention and your money and your focus on the causes of the problem. You're not putting your attention on how to stop this problem and how to resolve this problem. Um, you're putting your attention on just punishing the victim, on letting out all the anger that you rightfully feel and just punishing, punishing, punishing. What punishment does, and this is what abolitionists believe, um, when you lock someone up for a large period of time, uh, in, in other cases where you uh, put people on death penalty, give people the death penalty, when you choose all this route of punishment, what you're doing is not justice. You're not dealing with the problem. You're not looking at the problem. What you're doing is you're hiding the problem away. You're putting the problem in a little box and you're hiding it away. What abolitionists say is this is, this is a bad idea. For an analogy, for, for, uh, to give you an example, um, it's very similar to the kind of masculine way of dealing with emotions. If you feel negative, sad emotions, what a lot of men feel like they have to do is push it down and hide it away. What they feel like they have to do is rather than feel it, rather than address it, rather than process it, they take these emotions and they hide it away and they put it deep down in their chest. Kind of like putting it in a, in a prison. Mm -hmm. What abolitionists say would be better to do with emotions and with people is to take someone, take an issue, and rather than being um, scared of it, and rather than letting fear overwhelm you and pushing it away and hiding it away and killing the perpetrator and imprisoning the perpetrator and burning them all on a big burning pile, rather than doing all of that, why don't we actually like engage with and process what has just happened? Mm -hmm. let's actually work through the crisis that's happening um this is kind of what i was saying earlier about why you're the, what you're doing is so important because what you're doing is not putting it away and hiding it away but allowing it um allowing abuse and abuse and uh, child sexual abuse in particular air to breathe and just to, to talk about it um as opposed to this general concept of hiding things away um that is what abolitionists believe. Rather than, let's, rather than hiding away all the problems and the traumas 
and the difficulties of the society. Why don't we actually together, collectively, safely, and with trained professionals and people who, are, who know what they're doing, process these things rather than locking people away. Take a person, take another person, take, take the perpetrator, take the victim and actually create a dialogue in some respects around the abuse rather mm. than hiding it away indefinitely. Hiding it away, not only just hiding it away, but violently hiding it away. A lot of abolitionists would argue creates more violence, creates more harm. It doesn't stop child sexual abuse. It doesn't stop rape. It doesn't stop murder. It doesn't stop drugs. It doesn't stop anything like that. What it does is it perpetuates the harm. Prisons are centers of sexual abuse. There's a huge, huge amount of sexual abuse in prisons. I don't need to tell you people that. They already know that. Um, yeah. It's a very, it's a huge place for violence. People get beat up all the time. People get um, abused all the time, assaulted all the time. Um, it's not a place wherein you can heal the situation ever. It's mm. a place where people get worse. Uh, people don't get better in prisons. That's not to say that people necessarily, <laughs> that's not to say that the people in there deserve to be made better, deserve, you know, it's not, it's not about who deserves what. It's about what we as a society deserve. We deserve mm. a healthy people, people who are healthy and um we deserve people who will not harm each other. Um, I think we... it's easier to, you know, take it away from an individual like perspective. So if we think of um, there's a guy and he has um, killed and raped two children, hmm. you know, um, when you think of that perspective, it infuriates you and everything like that. But then if we think of um, a group, so uh, pedophiles in general, uh, murderers in general, robbers, whatever, I mean, think about that. And then we think about the benefits of dealing with the issue, like you're saying, um, you know, the benefits could be large and benefit the survivors of these crimes, if that makes sense. Mm. And, and going back to what you were saying, like um, the issues with prisons and stuff, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone thinks, oh, the justice, the current justice system is working well. <laughs> There's no one, you know, that thinks that. Um and I, I was on a podcast the other the other week, and and she was talking about how a lot of networking is happening um, with you know child trafficking and sex trafficking in prisons. And so we're not just putting them in an environment that is promoting violence, promoting sexual assault, and everything like that. We're also putting them in an environment with everyone like them uh, who who are having the same struggles or uh, are having the same demons as them, and then they are connecting with them people and sometimes coming up with ways to do that crime um in a smarter way and not get caught and, and so that's just another aspect of um you know of of what can happen is, is what I, of what is happening uh, and so the poll I put out on Instagram was um what are we actually aiming to do in the justice system um, and what what I asked what people think is most important, which is a really difficult question, but I, I wanted I wanted to word it word it like that so they could pick one um, one choice. Uh, and the results were uh, rehabilitation uh, got twenty one votes, protect the public got seventy four, punishment got twenty, and deterrence got four. Mm. And what I found interesting is that punishment didn't get the top. 
which mm. like actually it surprised me is you know the community on the page are survivors and i definitely thought punishment would be at the top and it's really interesting that people pick to protect the public because um like i said earlier you know the anger and emotion and stuff can take it away from that and think oh i just really want to hurt this person especially from a survivor a survivor's point of view um and so it makes me think you know people may sort of be driven to different um ways of dealing with this issue if that makes sense yeah um it, it's fascinating yeah thank you for bringing that up so that, that was something that interested me as well um i think a lot of survivors uh and i can't you know i can't speak for survivors i've had some experience myself with child sexual assault but not that much um in comparison to a lot of the people who you'll be in your audience a lot of survivors actually the main thing that they want is for that thing that happened to them to not happen to anyone else. Yeah, that's so ever. true. That's what they want. Uh, and that's what a lot of people want. Punishment, okay, you know, but the main thing for a lot of people, I think, is they know that what happened to them was heartbreaking and destructive. And they want that thing to never happen to anyone else ever again. And that is one of the most, I think a lot of the, a lot of the, that's probably what, that's how I'd interpret what yeah, that yeah. whole actually is. Is when they say protect the public, it's it's ensuring that that never happens again. Mm -hmm. um, and for a lot of people, that means putting them in prison. Um, the logic for that is is pretty sound when you think about it at first. The logic for that is that if you put this abuser in prison, they will not be able to harm anyone else. Um, but like you say, prisons are full of people like-minded individuals maybe they aren't places of healing they aren't places of actually dealing with the problems they are places that uh the, the abolitionist perspective is that they uh breed more violence they make people mm. feel um they they don't really help more help much at all um and so what so yeah i think in terms of protecting the and also sorry wait uh need to collect my thoughts yes um, yeah <laughs> um i think as well what the, the the emphasis on prison and the emphasis on punishment means that as a justice system and as a society we are focusing on what happens after the abuse happens we are primarily putting all our resources and all our um, focus on what happens after abuse happens rather than looking at what causes abuse in the first place. Of course, there are preventative measures taken by police and schools and whatever else, um, but they're never given half as much resources as a whole prison, just mm -hmm. one prison, never mind yeah. the nation. You know, you think how much resources prisons take up. Uh, if you could take them resources and put them into different ways of justice, they were actually focused on taking this out of society, taking this pain out of society, which is never going to be, um, people call, people talk about, uh, I think there's someone, there's a podcast that talks about abolition as a horizon rather than a, um, a goal. It's something that we work towards and move towards mm. uh, a more compassionate way of dealing with trauma as opposed to putting people in prison. You're never going to, uh, we're realistic in some respects, as much as we're very idealistic in others abolitionists do say this is always going to be a problem 
it's about how we respond to it. Um, in terms of protecting the public, in terms of making sure this thing ne never happens again, when you put people in prison, you're not making sure it never happens again on a structural level, you're making sure it never happens again on an individual level. Child sexual abuse is about much more than one person making a bad choice. Um, it is about much more than that. It is, more, it is about many, a whole plethora of things. It's about um, adult domination. It's about ideas that adults should dominate children, should discipline children, should control children, which is an idea that's instilled right through the school system. I'm a teacher. I'm so I'm glad. I'm so glad oh, that you brought that up. That is that's actually the topic of next week's podcast. But I'm oh, so really? glad you brought that up. Yeah, um, because I, I actually I, I was actually speaking about this with my guest that I had on the other day, and we were mm. talking about how even in the education system, children are made to believe that they are less valued than adults. You know, calling. Mm. Even as something as little as this, and I, and I don't know what your opinion on this is, but even calling your teachers Mr. Uh, Johnson or Mrs. Johnson, and like whenever if you worked somewhere and you've had to call your boss <laughs> Mr. John, you know what I mean? It never mm. happens. So why are we still making children, you know, do this? Um, obviously, I, I completely agree with certain methods of, um, you know, getting control over a class when, people are being disrupted from learning stuff like that stuff like that needs to be in place um but when it just little stuff like that, it's just crazy to me that we're still mm. that we're still doing this it's yeah well i'm uh, this is i'm actually a teacher um i my, my full-time job is a, is a teacher uh, i work in a school um not just any school i work in a pupil referral unit so it's for kids who've been kicked out of a lot of different schools um now I'm not going to talk about my individual workplace because that's um, <laughs> that would be bad. Um, but uh, I I can say that definitely I, I it's a real it's a real I do have to really think constantly as someone who's diametrically opposed uh, to the idea that you have to uh, I'm I'm opposed to ideas of education where I just give a knowledge to them and they just have to soak it in and take it. Mm -hmm. um there's a there's a um educational theorist called paulo Freire, uh, and he talks about education uh not as one person just giving and throwing information at other people but as in education as being a transaction of information people receiving uh information knowledge and then coming at it from their own perspective in their own position um, and the educator learning from them as well in turn i've learned so much from the kids that i teach you can learn an immense amount from children mm -hmm. they are one of the most um imaginative inventive forces in this entire society um but what back to what we were saying about domination in general there is a, a you know a culture of trying to restrict children's movement in schools uh, there's a culture of trying to uh, treat children as if they're inherently a danger systems built on punishment which are actually what later in life turns into the prison system for adults um built on punishing children for getting things wrong built on punishing children for um doing something that doesn't make sense even though it may be that they're expressing a symptom of of a, a condition like autism or dyslexia or something else um the vast majority of the kids that are kicked out of schools have, have autism dyslexia something else like mm. that 
um, children are treated in schools already as something that needs to be punished and, and transgresses uh, things that need to be um, like educated uh, yeah. and also have the badness inside them kind of beaten out of them. Uh, if, if you want to say that's quite a bit more of an extreme thing to say being out of them thankfully corporal punishment is is illegal but more more emotionally now more manipulatively mm-hmm. um and that idea that notion is the basis of a lot of the way that we treat children throughout our society in the family as well in the nuclear family um it's it's this idea that children need to be controlled mm-hmm. if we can stop saying that children need to be be controlled we can stop a system of adult domination creates creates the circumstances wherein abusers can abuse their power yeah um, yeah it creates see, the, sorry go sorry on. see no, in <laughs> in my um situation what happened with me like even you might be able to uh, say that you notice this as well but my uh, abuser and stuff be, would, would have been described if people didn't because people didn't know what was actually happening as a strict parent you know what i mean and mm. even the methods that he was using at times you know people if people looked into it properly they'd be like hang on a minute that's a bit weird mm. um but this you know he had this cover of the conventional oh this is just how certain people uh, this is how certain strict parents deal with their children. And so mm. in a way, what may have be red flags to some people were covered up by, you know, that explanation of um, the common, you know, strict parent um, or taking the phones off them for doing a little thing wrong. Or um, I remember I finished school at half past two and I had to be um, back at home at like half four. So it was like, just little things like that but yeah it just gives it gives abuse like you said it gives abusers a cover that they can hide under mm. that is so dangerous yeah thank you so much for sharing that ryan that's 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 really important i remember i do remember him being a very strict person and my, my parents even saying to me yeah he's quite strict even at, at my age being like wow yeah, quite, yeah. Strict, quite strict parent um there was actually an instant with um your brother and we was nipping down to my house to get something from the church and you i don't know if you remember this but we um came back to church and he's like why did it take you so long what was you doing mm-hmm. and it was just like the normal time but um but yeah the, the, and all of that was just uncovered by you know he's a strict strict parent and stuff so mm-hmm. it's it, yeah and not only that but he was quite a high up member in the church as well and stuff like that mm. so it's it's um it's uh Again, it's it's when we when <laughs> to bring it back to prison abolition. Um, it's about rather than pulling resources into getting people at the end of of abuse, where, where they, when when they've reached the end of their abuse and when abuse has happened, it's about actually trying to deal with these systems as, as they appear, as they come up. It's about mm-hmm. trying to create a world wherein children can come forth and talk about their issues. Um, I was reading on the uh, some statistics about it from the Office of National Statistics. Um, that said about um, adults looking back on their childhood who've been abused, about a quarter, only a quarter of them, less than a quarter even, came forward and talked about their abuse at the time. Uh, and the four reasons they cited for that 
One was that they were embarrassed. One was that they'd feel humiliated. Uh, one was that they wouldn't be believed. And the other one was that nothing, ha nothing would happen. Uh, and each of them made up for somewhere between 20 to 30% of the answers. So they're all pretty evenly dispersed. Mm. Embarrassment, humiliation, not believed, not acted upon. They are the worries of children. Them worries don't come out of nowhere. They come from a position where children are constantly made to feel invalid and unimportant, and their ideas and emotions are unimportant, and they're to be controlled and turned into a good adult. Um, not only that, but they also come from, um, and, and this is a, it's, this is why we talk about it being systemic. It also comes not just from adult domination, um, but from male domination as well. Um, now, let's be clear, women can be abusers too. Let's be very clear um, yeah. on that. There's, I, I would never deny that. But the vast majority of victims, not the vast majority, but a large majority of victims of child sexual abuse are women, uh, and a large majority of perpetrators are men. Mm -hmm. um, that's not always the case. And, and certainly, um, but even when it's not the case, um, thoughts around rape culture and stuff, the fact that the, the statistics that came out quite recently that became quite famous, uh, that 97% of women had been sexually harassed at some point in their life. The interesting statistic that came next to that statistic was that 96% of them women didn't feel like they would be taken seriously if they reported their sexual harassment to the authorities or to their institution, that their workplace, their school, um, a huge amount of, uh, I think it said about 72% of school kids uh, didn't believe their schools would take their their um, their complaints seriously if they uh, if they complained. And then another quite a, another large percent, I think a similar percentage, said the schools didn't take their abuse seriously. This is taken from um, either I, I took my statistics from two places, either the NSPCC and um, the Office for National Statistics. Mm. Um, it tells us that um, there's a huge culture of um, belittlement and stuff. And this is a culture that we could deal with. We could spend the money that we use on dealing with the end of the problem at the beginning of the problem, if we wanted to. And this is what abolitionists believe, is taking the money that's spent at the end of the problem and using it at the beginning of the problem, not just, and sometimes this is the thing, the end can be the beginning as well of, of solving the problem. So when a problem happens, rather than throwing it away, let's look at this culture that created this problem and, and look at this as a case study of this culture that addresses this problem, a moment uh, in domination and abuse, in, in cultures of abuse. And let's use this, this crime, this issue, this problem to address our, wider social problems and our wider social issues rather than throwing it you, wasting this opportunity to heal by throwing them away and not dealing with it ever again or killing them or burning them or whatever else so i was just going to say um a lot of it comes from public attitudes and and like you said you basically said what i was going to say just being able to reform them attitudes and quite openly doing that so and I always think that if we did more, if we did a section, I remember in school we had a class called Life. And I think that's just mm. a perfect opportunity to add, you know, these topics in there. Because we didn't cover stuff like that. We covered um, 
uh, things. I can't particularly remember everything, but um, <laughs> we, we basically did things like uh, things that happen in the environment, which are all important as well, but it's just such an important thing to place in there as well. And, you know, that has potential for uh, a way to do what we're talking about. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, education is key. Um, and again, not top down education, but a more horizontal education wherein children um, aren't just treated as as inferiors that, that that need to have their brains filled with knowledge and we are the adults with all the knowledge but a, mm -hmm. a, a mutual approach kids like you know kids like know about sex <laughs> we, we, we often forget this kids have kids are aware of what what it is they have mm. some of them have very strange ideas of it and some of them don't know a, <laughs> no different bits or no more or less than others um, but they they know about what's happening, and it's very important that we teach them and talk to them about it, because otherwise the wrong people will. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's very very important. Um, I just want to make a final point, if that's if that's okay. Um, but because um, I, I I I worry a lot when I talk about these things, particularly survivors, that they'll be full of fear, um, because a lot of people survivors survivors. Uh, people are behind bars or if they're not behind bars they're in the court system or if they're not in the court system it's seen as the only way out for them is to put them behind bars i just want to be very clear that abolition is not about just about uh, when we call it the, the problem with the name prison abolition is that it sounds like we just want to abolish prisons uh, that's completely not the case what we want to do is completely change justice uh, we don't want an abolition of prisons we want an abolition of the prisons is the only way of justice in fact it's a way of justice at all we want a better way of justice that doesn't just involve locking people away that actually involves dealing with the problem communally um so a lot of uh, this and this is something that's uh an experiment that's being experimented in a lot of different um places um one example there's a there's a brilliant pdf that you can find online uh, and it's called "What About the Rapists?" Um, and it's 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 it literally addresses this question of of what are the one of the most poignant questions that comes up for prison abolitionists is what about the rapists? What do we do about that? Um, and it, it talks about a few situations where they've tried to deal with it without putting them in prison. Um, some of it, some parts you might agree with, some which you might don't. But I'd recommend if you want to do any further reading on the topic. Uh, if you Google search, what about the rapists PDF? Uh, that is a brilliant little pamphlet that explains some more things, a bit more detail. Mm -hmm. um, it can it can be a bit jargony at times, but it's it's helpful. Um, and yes, we hope that the hope is that we can move beyond just meeting pain with more pain, and instead meet pain with healing instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is the hope. Um, but yes, anyway, I will leave it at that. Yeah, I think your description of that is a horizon rather than, you know, just a simple goal. I think that's a great way to describe it. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge with me and my listeners. And um, like I said, I'm not massively educated in this topic. So it's been great to communicate with you who may have a little bit of a different view on it as me. And yeah, and I'll be leaving a few different resources uh, in the description on Spotify, or you can go to my Instagram and click on the link in my bio at the edge of the bed. Um, and I'll leave a few different um, resources on there that you can look into this a little bit further. So yeah, thank you, Joseph. And um, yeah, it's been great. 
Thank you so much, Ryan. I really appreciate talking to you and um, yeah, all the best. It was really great to catch up with Joseph and hear his opinions and ideas. It was very kind of odd to have someone on the podcast who knows me in real life. I don't know, just someone who was around at the time that my abuser was around. But it felt good. It felt good to speak about it to him. It'd be really interesting to know your opinions on this topic. If you just want to DM me on Instagram or comment on one of my recent posts, what you thought of the podcast and what you think of prison abolition, I'd be really interested to know what what everyone thinks. As a survivor, of course, it's really hard to even think about your abuser not being punished correctly. But I think if we could find a middle ground where punishment is still being taken into consideration, as well as creating change in society so we can prevent this happening, because it is clear the current system just isn't working and just having these conversations is contributing. And so I will continue to have these conversations on my platform. Again, thank you all for listening and please feel free to share your ideas and maybe some suggestions of what you want to hear on the podcast in the future. I have some very exciting news, however. So very soon, I'm going to have a studio. This means I'll be able to have guests in person, better sound quality, better soundproofing, and also be including video back to the show, which I'm really excited about. Since starting this journey, it's not just been about having a podcast. It's about being able to have these conversations on a platform and seeing it grow from two listeners to now where I'm getting a little bit more it it feels great and I'm so glad that it's helping survivors out there I'm going to be covering more personal topics coming up sort of the things that come in with being a survivor and some of the mental health issues I've faced and how I've dealt with them again thank you all for your support I hope you've all enjoyed and I'll see you all in the next one